This podcast was prepared or accomplished by Dylan Weller and Jonathan Kovacs in their personal capacity. Any views or opinions expressed or represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast hosts and their guests. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the hosts or guests may or may not be affiliated or associated with in a professional or personal capacity. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. The names, dates, or personal details may have been changed or removed to protect confidentiality. We just want a quick shout out to our sponsors of the SAR Take. Uh, first off is Mr. Paul Jackman in Greenwood, Nova Scotia. He's a realtor. And uh, for all your realtor needs and real estate needs, if you're getting posted to Greenwood or Nova Scotia, this is the man for you. He knows the area, knows the people, knows knows the industry. He's been a homeowner for a very long time and he's good at what he does. Out west in BC, Nathan King, the realtor out on the island. If you guys have any questions, super awesome guy, you know, cool dude, family guy. He's got a dog, he's got kids, you know, you're going to love him. You're going to love the guy. He's doing great stuff for the guys in the trade already, you know. So we have the Pararescue Association, which is a helpful platform to with our with our little podcast here we're gonna have a bunch of merchandise for sale for you guys coming up soon i promise it's gonna be cool everybody will be able to go on there buy books from sartex some shirts from sartex some hats from sartex we got some woodworkers within the trade we got some placards we got a bunch of stuff but we really got to get our online game together and that's coming to you guys pretty soon and lastly, if you have any uh, thoughts about the show, comments, or you want to ask us questions, reach out to us. Uh, we're open books. If you want information about the SAR trade, you want information about the military, reach out to us on thesartake at gmail.com or on our Facebook and Instagram. We'll be happy to help you out. And if we don't have the answers, we have resources and we have people who've agreed to take on uh, pro bono, so to speak, uh, to get people into the military, to get people into trades that they enjoy. And of course, for our best interests, uh, the search and rescue trade. Uh, so reach out to us. Uh, don't be shy and let us know how we're doing. If you have requests, uh, if you have any suggestions, let us know. And thanks for listening. Rescue. Rescue. Yeah, so I guess that was uh, last Thursday and we had a plan to meet up around this time. Um, I had a, a pretty relaxing day. I just finished my Buffalo team lead check ride. And uh, I went into work to just clean some stuff up, uh, pack some shoots. And then uh, Ashley Barker came into the packing room and she's like, uh, we, got a, we got some skiers caught in an avalanche and uh, we're heading out to get them right now. Do you want to come with? And I said, hell yeah, I do. And uh, <laughs> so I hopped on the, on the corn. I texted you. I said, sorry, man, it's not going to work. Uh, I guess we'll have to reschedule and yeah. The parachute was just left in the room alone, unpacked, because you had to go Pretty on this much. mission? <laughs> I was 99% of the way there. Someone else cleaned it up. But uh, yeah, no, so we were headed out to Squamish. Um, there's uh, two ski, ski guides uh, that were uh, touring up a slope, pretty remote area, and uh, they got caught in, a, in an avalanche. They didn't get buried. They remained on the surface, um, but one of them had a broken femur. Uh, so there was three of us, uh, on the call, myself, Ashley, and then, uh, Darren right angle. Um, and yeah, we, we got on scene. Uh, we did a, a good long recce cause we knew we were going right into avalanche terrain. 
and uh, we made a plan. Uh, we ended up hoisting pretty close to the patients, uh, getting over to them. And then from there, it was pretty much just load and go. We didn't want to waste any time in, in, uh, in those conditions. You, you know, this, this poor guy was in quite a bit of pain and he had been out there for, uh, I think it was about three hours by the time we got to him. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we were, uh, it was a time crunch, not only for fuel, but just the fact that we were right in the path of the avalanche. And, uh, you know, it, we didn't want to risk ourselves. If we got buried, there was unfortunately no one coming for us. So uh, we said, sorry, buddy, this is, this is going to hurt a little bit, but we're going to throw you in the stokes and get out of here. Um, so we did that. Uh, we loaded him in the aircraft and we took him to Squamish airport and on the way, uh, gave him some morphine and you guys got the call. Uh, obviously these people, do you know a little bit about the story before did, did like a dog find them? Did like a crew find them? How many people were on scene? And like, um, it was just the two of them on scene. Uh, I couldn't give you the exact mountain range, but it was a pretty remote area. And they and called in. Yeah, they had an inreach with them uh, and they weren't buried. So, or at least they weren't, you know, completely buried. The uh, uninjured guy was able to tend to the injured guy. And, Crazy. Uh, Do you yeah, know if they had yeah. like a, their avalanche bags, like the, the airbags? No, they didn't have those with them. No. no. Um, Did they, have, they had all the other appropriate gear though for avalanche training? Yeah, they were definitely professionals. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And That's his, crazy. Uh, the guy with the broken leg, his ski was like broken in half like that. It was wow. It was pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. it wow. takes a lot of force to do that. <laughs> I'd say, dude, like those yeah. skis are so flexible. You know, they can hold, you can pretty much put like a bar on one end of each ski and stand on it, and it'll never break. You know, like these skis yeah. are super yeah, flexible and they're yeah. strong for it to snap. But I mean, yeah. tons of questions about like avalanche stuff. You know, they had the gear. These guys are pros. These are ski guides. You know, like not to. You know, because accidents happen. And and when I heard about this uh, ski guides were in an avalanche and, and needed uh, your help, you know, uh, it's like, oh, man, this can really happen. You know, like on our avalanche course, I don't know, you guys had Cyril as well, Cyril, Cyril. And uh, he uh, was saying uh, you can get complacent because you, you're with a professional and you're like, oh, he's he knows what he's doing or like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, these guys are pros and still got into uh, like, yeah. gnarly problems the, there the other thing mm -hmm. uh, you probably find the same thing where people ask you like oh you know like is it just people that you rescue that uh, they don't know what they're doing or anything and it's not the case you know like totally. you can have all the gear and all the expertise and sometimes just things go wrong something happens you know yeah cool. you're always yeah. taking a risk when you're going out in in those conditions no matter what the uh you know the hazard report is saying like you're always taking that risk and we got to keep that in mind too when we're heading out there to go pick someone up. Yeah. Yeah. How long of the transit was it for you to get there? Oh, not long. It was about um, maybe 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit of a sprint inside the, the cormorant to, uh, to get everything ready. And this so, was kind of at like, um, what is it? Dusk? Is it dusk or dawn? Uh, dawn. Dawn's no, no, at no. Night. It was, um, it, it was, middle of the afternoon oh okay we had them back before dinner it was a pretty quick uh, little mission yeah okay nice. yeah right yeah. on so when you got on the ground like i'm i'm trying to envision myself i mean envision you doing this is what i was looking at um so you guys kind of just hoisted onto the snow just walked over no snowshoes no nothing because this is hard pack now i'm assuming 
and then you guys were just able to like bring your medical gear and whoop, out? Um, sort of. So what we, we, we took a good long recce and we came up with a couple different options. The first kind of plan we came up with was uh, hoisting into an area away from them uh, where we would be outside the, uh, you know, the, the risk of another avalanche. Yeah. Um, then we, when we got closer, we looked at how far that really was. And we realized that uh, if we took that option and walked to them, uh, we'd be in, in the, uh, we'd be in the hazard much longer um, than if we just hoist right to them. So we basically decided to hoist into the, uh, um, right onto the slope and uh, just close enough that the, the TFZ wasn't touching them. And uh, from there, Ashley hoisted down first. Uh, I went down second with a, a pen kit. And as soon as I touched the ground, I, I just walked over to them. And then Darren came down and then the, uh, the Stokes and Ashley and Darren brought Stokes over. And uh, we, I, I had them mostly ready to go by the time they were there. And it was just a matter of loading them into the Stokes, which is, you know, one of the more painful parts for the patient. Nice. And then, uh, yeah. Dude, Dylan, can you talk about the TFZ a little bit? Yeah, so that's just turbulent flow, flow zone for those uh, listeners that don't know. Oh, it's yeah. simply there's an area under the cormorant uh, where all the air is being pushed down to hold the cormorant up. Yeah. And then there's an area where all the concentration of turbulent air is. And that depends on a, a ton of factors, but mainly wind. So if you have a whole bunch of wind, it's going to move that zone backwards. Right, right. So when you're hoisting, it's no big deal. If there's little wind, it's going to be underneath and it's, a, it's just the worst. Check, well, check. So when, what were the winds doing then? Was it like underneath? No, it was, so we had them on the nose, maybe about hundred feet away. And the wind was actually incredibly strong. And that's why we got tasked on this mission uh, because uh, uh, the black home helicopters that would normally go and do this call, it was too windy for them. Uh, so yeah, they were about hundred feet away, um, from the chopper and the TFZ was well behind us. Um, so yeah. Good. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's not the, the stuff that I hear so many stories about the, how crazy this cormorant yeah. is, you know, like yeah. I haven't played on it, worked on it. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, like just to show you, you know, like a civilian helicopter, just fairly small that what they use in the search and rescue but the 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 cormorant is a is a bad boy she, she's big yeah. you know it's a oh, big it's girl. crazy i i just i still get amazed just watching that thing hover that much metal just somehow floating in the air it blows so, my mind yeah man i dream of skydiving out of a helicopter yeah. actually i did in trenton not the griffin but but the ramp on the cormorant is what's yeah cool. that'd be yeah. wicked